Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. They don't call Mad Dog Manny for nothing. Talking about Manny Aurora, who visits the Bailey Show podcast a couple times a month. We talk defense, criminal law, right? That's what he does for a living. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide. Handled litigation in 19 different states. Any questions that you might have for Manny Aurora, you can either shoot it to him personally at his law firm, theaurorolawfirm.com, or you can call our hotline and leave us a voicemail for the next visit from Manny Aurora. Oh, Mad Dog Manny Aurora, 404-369-3825. As a former prosecutor, they at the Aurora Law Firm understand the other side of the case. Top 100 national trial lawyers at the Aurora Law Firm, specializing in criminal law. If you need them, you need to get a hold of them today. TheAuroraLawFirm.com. And again, you got any questions for Mad Dog Manny Aurora, next time he stops in the studio, get a hold of us, PodcastTheBS.com. Look, doing a new kitchen or bath, that's a big undertaking, right? So you want to go to somebody that's like a one-stop shop, like UCI Kitchen and Bath. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years. That's what I'm talking about, a one-stop shop. Uh, They provide the installation of whatever you buy. Speaking of, you mentioned the BS, the Bailey Show podcast, and you're getting 10% off your regularly priced countertops. That's a nice little savings, right? You can visit the Norcross, Georgia showroom location. Let their design team transform your kitchen and bathroom into a beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality. It's just upping your property value. You can get with all the latest trends because they got them right there on the showroom. Servicing all of Georgia and parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. How do you get a hold of them? Very simple. UCIGranite.com. The letters U-C-I, the word granite.com. I love people. All right, all right, all right. The BS presents Let's Talk To. People are strange when you're a stranger. I cannot wait to see who it is. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I hope it's Frank Sinatra's ghost. Oh. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. I was pitched this uh, interview the other day from our booker uh, with this woman that's on this TV show on Oxygen. And my wife and I watch Oxygen all the time. Uh, you know, the true crime stuff. I mean, we're just addicted to it. So I wasn't familiar with this show. I hadn't even seen commercials for this show. I hadn't seen promos for this show. So I look it up, and I'm addicted now to this show. And I'm going to go back and binge watch the first season. Luckily, I'm not that far behind. The second season uh, has already started on Oxygen. And it's called 911 Crisis Center. And it, it follows these these nine one one operators in Ohio, and and you're Mama Bear, right? Uh, Charlene Polk is Mama Bear. That's that's your nickname on the show, right? That's that's my nickname that I was given on the show, Mama Bear, because you're the 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 patriarch. You're the Mama Bear. You're the Mama figure of the room with all these. I don't want to say young bucks because you're no stretch, you know, an old Mama Bear. But they're probably uh, not as seasoned as you are in the in the nine one one world, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Pretty much. How how long have you been doing this? Um, November eleventh will be my eighteenth year. 
Wow. And how did you get, I, I just find this fascinating. I don't know if I've ever spoken to somebody in that type of job before. It has to be such high pressure and so stressful. I mean, you must be getting massages every other day. Yeah, I wish. No, not at all. I'm never home to get a massage for one. Two, we're, we're, we're at work so much until I can't schedule one because I probably have to cancel it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so so, is your life like a like a nurse? Two on, three off, two on, or however they do it. Is is that the same for the nine one one center? Yeah, we are twelve hour shifts. So every other weekend is off. So it's like you work two days off, three days work, three days off, two days. You know, so on and so forth. But lately, we've been picking up a, a lot of overtime. We have a. We have some people that retired. Uh, We have some people that are just starting. So we are training a lot of people trying to get transitioned. In the meantime, we're kind of short staffed a little bit. Hmm. So I've been working when I'm not expected to work. So it's, it's been, it's been hard this, this last couple of months. How did you get the job? I mean, originally, how did, was it, you know, most people in a job like that, it's not like they grow up and said, I want to be a frontline worker. I want to be a 911 supervisor. You kind of fall okay. into a job like that, right? And that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to the local police department because we're a regional dispatch center now before it was individual police departments. So I started with the city of Euclid and I went into the Euclid police department to help a friend fill out a report for DV for domestic violence. And I'm sitting there and the sergeant was taking a report and I just happened to see a young lady walk past with headphones on her head. And I'm thinking, what, what is she doing back there? And the sergeant said, Oh, you know, that's one of our dispatchers had no idea what it entailed only answering 911 calls. And I came in shadowed for a little bit, fill out the application I went in, my eyes was like this big because I didn't realize what a 911 dispatcher had to do. But I got roped in, hooked in, and I've been there ever since. Is it one of those jobs, I'm assuming it is, where it's very difficult to have a family? It can be at times. Thank goodness my my kids are, you know, when I first started, they were young. And it was was real difficult because you find yourself working doing what you can for homework, getting the kids ready for bed and off to, you know, school. I always chose the night shift. It was just so much easier for me because, you know, by the time you have dinner, homework, put the kids to bed, the husband takes over, you're off to work. Mm -hmm. And then you're there to see them off to school in the morning, waiting for them in the afternoon to give them supper again and off to, you know, off to work I go. It can be a challenge, especially ours because we work 12-hour shifts this type of work, but thank goodness my kids are all grown now, yeah. um, both of them. And I have grandkids now, so it's much easier, but it can take a toll on your relationship as well. Did, did the husband, did the husband stick around or is he gone now? Oh no, that's 19 years <laughs> gone. That's I'm, oh, I'm engaged again. <laughs> oh, good for you. Is it somebody in the same business? Um, somewhat he is. Um, so one of our local police departments is Solon police department. He is actually the animal warden for Solon. Oh, that's awesome. So we just got engaged. Uh, we just bought a house in oh. July and, um, no January. And we had our first house warming July 23rd. And he actually proposed surprise and proposed me at our house warming. Oh, good for you. Was that called on the first season of, uh, of the show? No, no, that was oh. done and over with. And actually it happened 
um, right as they had finished wrapping up oh, the second season. So oh. they didn't get a chance to get it. Oh, I guarantee you got an email from somebody at Oxygen going, Charlene, what were you thinking? Well, I didn't know he was going to propose. Oh, That's Charlene, tell your husband, you're soon to be out. What were you thinking? That makes good right. television, you know? So, uh, I, you know, when I was seeing little snippets of, of the show, again, 911 Crisis Center, uh, second season is happening right now on Oxygen, and it, and it follows these uh, really amazing frontline workers. I mean, these are the people that get the call before the rest of the heroes get to go out there. You know, they're directing the heroes, and, and I am a back-to-blue type of guy. I'm a back-to-frontline workers type of guy, so you got my support uh, 110%, Charlene. But the, a show like this, um, you know, did they how did they come and approach you because there's there's like a there's a gray area now more than ever with these cameras going into jobs like this you know i was watching a, some type of documentary the other day and i didn't even think twice about this but cops which is one of the longest running shows ever actually i think it's on oxygen now too if, if memory serves uh, I, I could be wrong but like they they just tore it apart it was yeah, we were trying to get it off the air because it was just, it was the police department propaganda after the L.A. riots. They were trying to get back in the favor of the of the people, and there was this racial kind of slant to it. I never right. even thought of that, right? right. And, and maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know, but I didn't look at it that way. I just right. looked at it as the good guy gets the bad guy. That's right. all I looked at. So the gray area, when they approached you for this, how did that go down? You know what? It was surprisingly different. We There really wasn't a gray area, believe it or not. I think the only negative, and it, it was the craziest thing, I've only heard two negative comments since the show aired. The one person, um, we were in the heart of the pandemic when it happened, and she was fussing, ranting, and raving about us having our mask. She said something to the effect of, they're not real dispatchers. They have on masks. And some nice, sweet person took up for us like, hey, they have to protect themselves. They're in a small room and we're in the middle of a pandemic. But I mean, it's like you're poking fun at us for wearing masks and say we're not real dispatchers. I don't know. Maybe she was having a bad day, but it rolled off like water on a duck. And the other <laughs> one was someone thought we were scripted. That's the biggest thing I get asked. Was that, did they write that for you? This is yeah. not Hollywood. Yeah. We may be on TV, but everything you see is absolutely real. Nothing is scripted. Those phone calls are real. Some of our reactions are beyond real. Some of them don't even get, you know, seen. Mm. But that's the only two negative comments that we were wearing masks during the pandemic and yeah. somebody thought we were all phony. You, and you, some had opinions about, Certain people like, oh, she's mean, she's that, she's this. Right. We're human, and people must realize that. Yeah, you'll get used to it. You know, I mean, I think this whole camera thing in your face is fairly new, um, but uh, you'll get used to being in the the public eye, and everyone has an opinion, and they're perfect, and you're not, and they'll, exactly. they'll nitpick you to death, and with the masks, and you know, I still see, I saw a post with somebody that's on my network, and. 
they were in a place where they had to wear a mask. I've been actually, in, you know, right like when Uber, Uber's now stopped, but just recently they stopped yet to wear a mask in an Uber. My wife and I took a picture as we were getting ready to get on a plane or going to the airport or something. Of course, you, you're still wearing those masks. Huh? I was like, that's the rules, man. It's like I'm just following Regardless, the rules. <laughs> what is my mask doing to you? I'm protecting yeah. myself and protecting you. Maybe I don't feel well and I don't want to get well, any saliva on you. You're, 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 People are going to say what they're going to say regardless. Yeah, you're, regardless. You're talking to the, you know, the whack job, anti-vaxxer, non-believer type individuals that it's all phony baloney, you know, so they've right. got to continue to push their propaganda out there right. by using you as a, uh, as a scapegoat. So um, in your career, let's do in your career and also this first season, Let's start with your career. What is the worst call you've ever gotten? Lately, um, I kind of got two. One from when I very first started as a dispatcher. I was still in training on my way. You know how your trainer kind of backs off and lets you go for what you know. Mm. And we were taking a 911 call, and she let me take this call. And it was a report of a young lady saying that her husband couldn't breathe. Mm. You could hear him in the back pacing, pacing, trying to catch his breath. So not only did I have to remain calm to get all the info, I had to make sure I get the call in, dropped it. So the person that was dispatching EMS could get the squad on the way, but I had to walk her through everything. All of a sudden, boom, you hear him go down. Mm. The wife tries to keep her composure, but she's scared. Her husband just went unconscious and stopped breathing. So here I am, a trainee, and I'm asking, what was that noise? She said he just stopped breathing. So now I'm scared. I want to jump off the radio. I want to tell my trainer to take over, but it's like, no, nope. Either I'm going to get it, I'm going to make it, or I'm not. So I go into CPR, what I was trained to do. And the young lady just so happened to be a very strong, uh, very well-minded person and wanted to save her husband. Um, she started CPR on him. She did so good until she needed oxygen by the time the squad got there. And believe it or not, I can't remember if he made it or not. And I think not having closure was, you know, a bad, a bad thing for me with that one. And the last one has been, believe it or not, all those years up until now, I hadn't had another call like that. But last year, I don't know if you saw the episode when I took a 911 call and all you could hear is screaming and blood curdling scream in the background and nobody's coming to the phone to answer me. So I get the address. We go over to the police, go over to the house and they say radio, the house is dark and there's blood all over the driveway. I immediately go into panic mode, but we called around to some local hospitals. My partner found out that the little girl was at one of our local hospitals and she had been mauled by the family dog, yes. which was a, yeah. a pit bull mastiff mix. Mm -hmm. Once I found out it was a child and this child was clinging to life and to hear the mother and the father, now that you put all the pieces together, all the screaming and the things you heard kind of makes sense now. So imagine finding out what actually happened, remembering all those voices I heard and I heard her name being called. So I know there was somebody involved. I didn't know if a family member had killed another family member. It was just horrible for me. And once I find out it was a baby in her condition and her state, that was probably, yeah, took me back to training all over again. It was, it was hard for me. I couldn't, you know, gather myself. My composure was off. 
But can you imagine going through all that and still have to say, okay, get it together and go to your next call. That's something we have to do. Wow. Do you think that they'll change that, uh, you know, like give you after uh, like maybe have different tiers of calls? That would be the top of the top of the, the tier list and say, okay, Charlene, take take five, take ten, go to the vending machine, relax, have a room. It's like bright colors to make you feel happy, you know, have a shrink on hand, talk to them for a second. Now, you have to remember as a supervisor, um, I have to be a decompressor. So if it was one of my dispatchers going through this, I'd step in and say, hey, take a walk. And I would take over that band. But I'm not going to lie to you. That place can get so hectic until there is no minute. There is no second to say, let me go decompress. Your decompression is going to be your next call. Pull it together, get it together. Um, I did step away for a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, You can step away for a thousand minutes. And at that point in time, I really, really had a hard time getting myself together, but not to the point where I couldn't take the next call. That's the beauty of it. It was like, okay, I'm taking this next call. I hear what the person need. And it was something as simple as a parking complaint. Mm. Can you imagine just enduring what I just endured and you're calling because a unoccupied parked car is in front of your house? You want to say so bad. Do you know what I just (laughs) went through? But you can't. Right. That person on the phone has their own problem. They don't know what you just went through. So I have to be professional. Remember, they don't know what's going on in there and they don't know what you just endured. Are Are you not allowed to follow up? I mean, you have their information or do you choose not to? There's a fine line. It's the craziest thing because HEPA, a HEPA law. Uh But the funniest part is I knew what was wrong with the person that I sent to the hospital before the doctors did. But yet you won't tell me whether they are dead or alive. I will never be able to fathom that. I think if anybody should be allowed besides the paramedics and the officers to know if somebody lived or died. It's a dispatcher. I knew they couldn't breathe. I started CPR. Now, all of a sudden, I can't know their business. Yeah. I would think that, you know, and and hopefully that young girl that got attacked by the dog made it. Um, Yeah. Did she? Do you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, And and one of the episodes, the last episode, uh, since it happened towards the, the middle of the season, um, at the end of a couple more seasons, I think they did a recap. And not only did the parents let us know how she was doing, uh, one of my coworkers is, uh, it, the, the father happened to be a, a, a principal that she went to, you know, her principal at one of her elementary schools. Mm. So she had a personal relationship with them and she just reached out, say, Hey, look, I don't want to poke and pry in family business. Um, but this is what happened to us. We became like a family unit because we get updated pictures of the baby. She's healthy, beautiful, gorgeous, thriving. We made gift baskets for mom and dad while the baby was in the hospital. We donated uh, gift cards for restaurants that's around the hospital so they could take a break and eat on us. You know, mm. we put wine in there so they can get together once it's all over and have a little celebration. But that baby is doing fine. She's a fighter. She's beautiful. And every now and then we get updated pictures. So I, I you know, that's my, my comfort. I still get, you know, get in contact with the family. That's good. I, I would think that in those situations, people, would want to, which I would think is not too difficult, hunt you down, find you, thank you, you know, send you. Let me tell you a quick story, Charlene. This just happened recently. So every year 
Uh, I think my audience knows exactly what I'm about to tell you. So every year uh, we take a family vacation to the Bahamas. I don't know if you've ever been to Nassau before and to the Atlantis Resort. And there's they have three different towers. One of the towers is called the Coral Tower. And it's okay. more chill, adult-driven. So it's me, my wife, our daughter, who's now 17, and she brought two of her friends with her, also 17 years of age. Everybody can swim. Everybody's normal. We're not. There, there's nothing wrong. Two days into the vacation, it's my wife's birthday. It's a Monday. We go to the beach there at this area. It's all my mm-hmm. wife wanted to do. They have a little uh, area of water that's secluded. It's sectioned off from the ocean, so you're not getting right. sharks and currents and all that stuff. The girls said, hey, we're going to go snorkeling. It's not very deep. Mm-hmm. They go, They take the all-in-one all mask. You know, you got the, the snorkel built in. And, right. You know, they go out there. As soon as I lay down in the sun, I'm out. I fall asleep. Right. And I'm not close to the, you know, where you enter the water. I'm probably about 15 yards, 20 yards out. As soon as I close my eyes, I hear, help, help, help. And I wake up and I just hit that REM state of sleep. So I'm like kind of groggy and I'm looking around. My first thought is a shark. And then I come to my senses. There's no way a shark, you know, free willied over the rocks. It's not happening. So I'm staggering down to the water just knowing that it has something to do with my family. I just knew it. So I'm like, where's my daughter? And I spot my daughter. She's standing up in the water, and she just looks stunned. And I'm like, where are her friends? I see her other friends. Same look on the face. Where's Tatiana? Can't find her anywhere. I see a group of people carrying this lifeless body out of the water. And it's Tatiana. So she's like our daughter. She's lived with us for two years. And her right. and my daughter have been best friends for almost 10 years. And right. um, it's the sweetest girl in the world. And they just drop her on the beach. And she's lifeless. And I'm standing right next to her. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thank the Lord that there was a woman vacationing who was a doctor. And she starts, she checks her pulse. She says, no pulse, not breathing, performing CPR. And I got to tell you, Charlene, I have never as a man felt so helpless. Um, I don't consider myself a religious person. I'm, I consider myself a spiritual person. The only thing I knew to do was drop down on my knees and, and pray. And pray. And, That's right. And I did. And as soon as I started doing that, then the rest of the staff comes over. Uh, she started going into a convulsion, which was good. Um, good thing, right. And then foaming and then, you know, vomiting. Uh, it was great. And she's fine. You know, now there's more Thank to the story, goodness. but it's not important to, to what I'm, what my point is, is that I wish I could find those people that not only helped me that day, but consoled me that day. There was a big guy with a Dallas Cowboys hat that came over afterwards and he put his arm around me and he says, brother, it's going to be okay. And it just made me feel, I know it sounds cheesy and corny for a guy to no, say that, loud, but I got to tell you, Charlene, that just made everything okay when he did that. So I would think people would want to thank you. People think, I uh, think people would want to thank you for everything you've done. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Believe it or not, every now and then we will get a call for a thank you or somebody that, you know, you help deliver their baby. They'll call and say, Hey, the baby's doing fine. Thank you for all your help. She's healthy. He's healthy. Every now and then we'll get that, that good gratitude call, you know, but, um, Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. 
Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. So get this. It's easier to sue someone if their dog injures your livestock than it is if it injures you. If you're attacked by someone else's dog, you can only recover from the owner if you can show the dog had previously attacked someone or if it was violating a leash law. However, if that dog injures livestock, then you don't have to show anything. Amazing, isn't it? Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. Help you help your business get to the next level. And you do that by incorporating create graphics in there. Whether it's vehicle wraps, corporate events you might be having, interior, exterior events, Graphic Design and Apparel Create Graphics is a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, wide-format printing, and graphic installation. Excellent customer service where every project is going to get that one-on-one experience from start to finish. CreateGraphics.net. C-R-E-A-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-I-X.net. Or you can call 770-369-9962. 770-369-9962. Tired of ants on your countertop while you're cooking? Can't go outside without getting eaten by mosquitoes? Ah. Give Inspect All Pest Services a call. They've got everything you need to get rid of all that stuff just mentioned. Whether it's ants, roaches, fleas, or ticks, Inspect All has got you covered. With their year-round pest treatments, live without the worry or hassle of pests. Give Inspect All Pest Services a call today, 770-483-2420. 770-483-2420. Mention the BS. Get your first initial service for free. And back to you, Jason. It's funny that you mentioned Nassau. That's where my fiance is from. And he's a master diver (laughs) over the Bahamas. So, yeah, I haven't been there yet. So you'll enjoy it. And then if if, if he takes you to where I'm talking about, I'm going to flash in your head. You're going, I did an interview with this guy in Atlanta, Georgia, Jason Bailey guy. He was his daughter's friend died and came back to life right Right, here. Right here. Right. Uh, that's funny. So, so how do you stay so calm? I think that's what, you know, would, would hurt somebody getting that job is, is, is not panicking, uh, when, when you're in the, in the middle of trying to help somebody, whether it's a dog or gunshots or knives or knives or something like that. I have this great gift that I was blessed with. Um, I am absolutely wonderful under pressure. You put pressure on me. You're going to get the best out of me. It's you don't want to be around me when it's all over because that's when I'm just like gelatinous goo. It's it's over. But I mean, that's the best time to fall apart. Um, for some reason, high stress moments are my biggest gift in life. Um, some people have a calling. I think my calling truly is dispatching. Um, again, I have been on a radio uh, when an officer was drugged by a car. Um, He was our drug officer, didn't know he was on an off duty, not even off duty. He was on duty. Uh, Didn't know he was on an assignment. They were undercover and things didn't go so good. Um, The person recognized who he was, jumped in the car, 
tried to take off and he was headed into oncoming traffic. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Kids are walking, going to school, you know, leaving school. And all I hear over the radio is this blood curdling scream. And it's another officer telling me that our officer is being drugged by a car. Now, this particular time, I had to do both, the, the, the police and the fire. But we got him help, and I was cool through the whole thing, let him know help was on the way. And he, and he was drugged because he was trying to stop the car from going into traffic. So he was trying to save other people. He took the wheel, made the man crash into a tree rather than oncoming cars. Long story short, I was cool as a cucumber. My voice was calm, kept the officers calm, but when it was all over, I took a walk and my whole body just started convulsing and I couldn't stop. Wow. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Uh, you, you Can you like when you're a normal person and not a superhero, can you have some drinks, you know, you know, do, you know take some sleeping would pills. You, and... Would you like to see my bar? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I, I didn't know if it were like, and I was afraid kind of to ask cause I was like, well, you don't know, Jason, I like really get into it. So I, I, I just didn't know if you're on call and you always had to be sober well, because if there's any alcohol in your breath and something goes right, wrong, you're right, 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 gone. right. No, of course not. Um, when you're on call, absolutely no drinking, you yeah. know, when you're on call because you sign up for the on call days. So it's not a surprise when you're on call. So when you're your normal self, like today is my off day, um, semi off day. Mm. So I'm going to do an off duty OBI checkpoint. So we, you know, pick up little odd overtime um, details. So from six o'clock tonight until 10 o'clock tonight, I'm going to be working a detail. I'm off tomorrow, have nothing to do. So when I come home at 10 o'clock, my fiance and I are going to sit on our, in our rec room and we're going to have drinks. <laughs> That's good. But right now, nope, no wine, no nothing. I actually haven't even been to sleep yet from my shift last night. Wow. That's, that's, that's tough. You need your sleep. <laughs> that's a, it's all right. It's, it's kind of my off day. As a, as a supervisor, I'm assuming you're, you're the one that hires and fires people. What, what, what was, uh, can you give me a reason where you didn't hire someone? Well, I, luckily we have administration that's above me, like four tiers above me who do all the hiring yeah. and the firing. So I never have to do that. However, mm -hmm. there was a trainee that they asked me to, hey, we need you to talk to her because she trusts you more and try to let her know that it would be easier for her to resign than us fire her. Mm. Man, I am like a sensitive person. And I had to tell her in layman's turn, hey, listen, it doesn't seem like you're really getting this. This is not for you. Um, it'll be easier if you just, you know, pretty much bow down, grace, bowed out gracefully. Mm. And that was one of the hardest things to do. Did you take her out to lunch or something? Public place? No, but we used to know right in the kitchen, right oh. in our kitchen where everything goes down. She cry. She did, and so did I. Yeah, so did I. Can Can you make a good living as a as a as a dispatch? Yes, sir. Really? Like <laughs> at you, least at our center, I know the money's good. Okay, you don't have to tell me how much you make, but on average, if somebody were to get in, I'm just, maybe maybe this conversation, somebody looking for a new gig. You know, how this day is day and age. Is. Oh, please, we are looking for dispatchers. We are hiring. We have people in training now, but you can. I tell you what, um, you could probably start starting at about fifty five thousand. Okay. And, and then, that's just entry starting and get to, and you can go close to six figures. So yeah, it's uh, lucrative. 
Yeah, very good. And, and, you know, again, two days off, two days on, that kind of thing. Have you ever gotten a call from someone you know? Yes. I took a call from my father who was possibly having a heart attack. He passed wow. away recently, but... Um, yeah, I answered 911, what's your emergency? And he was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I said, daddy? He was like, yeah, he realized, he realized it was me. And again, I never came out of dispatch mode. What are your symptoms? You know, verify your address. I still went through the whole thing. Mm. And, you know, once I got ambulance and everything rolling, I talked to him on a daughter level. Hey, daddy, you're going to be all right. You know, hang in there. Uh, ambulance is on the way. When the ambulance got there, I ended the call. Have you ever been in a situation, not on the phone, but out in public, where you've been able to put your skills to use? One time, and it was minor but major, uh, I was going into my apartment complex at the time. A young man, I saw his legs go up in the air. Bam, he hits his head. He's out. Uh, He fell on the ice. Everybody was standing around him. I literally took my coat off, propped it under his head, put something under his feet to elevate his feet because he was unconscious. He was breathing. I called 911, let him know what I saw, let him know how hard he hit, what we needed, and ambulance came. But it's amazing. I don't know what I would do in a situation, but that particular situation, I jumped in there, got him comfortable, got him stable, put him in the um, resting position, which is either on your side or close to your side. If you're able, I didn't want to move him, so I just left him on his back prop something under his head for comfort. And he was on the ice. I know he was cold. Yeah. So that was like the first and only time so far. Yeah. I want to be you. I wish I were like that in that Bahamas situation. You know, I, I, yeah. I still can't get over it. I've got PTSD from that. I, I'll tell that story to people. I told, <laughs> I was telling it to a guy uh, the other day I played tennis with uh, and, and a, and I start, oh my, I, I actually, I think I did I start crying. I'm like, yeah. what's happening to you in your old age? You know, it's like, cause it's, it was su- it's such an emotional story because I always, when I tell that story, I think about what could have happened and right. how different numerous lives would have been at this moment in time. If it went another way, I get it. If it went another way. Uh, season two has already begun on Oxygen True Crimes 911 Crisis Center, and Charlene Polk is the uh, mama bear. But the, the, it starts out this season with what I'm reading, Mama Bear to Grizzly Bear. And this, yes. epi- this episode is all about you as, as you uh, take a 911 call from gr- uh, concerned grandpa looking for his grandkid, right? Right, right, right. Can you... Can you- so- Talk a little bit about that without sure, giving it without away. Sure, giving everything away because yeah. I want you guys to watch it. Sure. Um, we get a 911 call. Uh, the gentleman calls. He's concerned because his uh, his daughter had just given birth two weeks ago and she has mental illness. We deal with her on a regular basis, so I was familiar with her. Oh. Um, she was. He was concerned because she's been in a hospital and he doesn't know where this two-week-old baby is. He doesn't know if she was in a depressive state and hurt the baby. He didn't know if he left her with a stranger. Somebody took her. The baby was sold. He didn't know. All he know is he wanted his granddaughter. So I did everything I could put myself in his shoes. What would I do if this was my grandchild? Mm -hmm. And he was such a sweet man. Even to this day, when he called, if his daughter has an episode, it's, Hey, this is Charlene and gold. Thank goodness. Charlene, you know, it's you like, it's almost like we got that friendly connection, but uh, yeah, we, we help him, you know, try to locate his, his granddaughter. Okay. So you're in you. You get the call. You take charge. And I'm assu- I'm assuming all of these stories 
on the show are, are happy endings, right? For the most part, um, I'm not going to tell you that all of them are because I don't know what collab, what pieces they use. You know, they record everything, yeah. but we as dispatchers don't know which uh, episodes they're going to use. So I can't tell you all of them in happily. We've had quite a few homicides this year, quite a few deaths, uh, some close to home. Like, so I really don't know what all they show, you know? Yeah. How many people are in your center? Um, right now we had at one time 40, 44 dispatchers. Oh, wow. I tell you we're down a third of that. Uh, but we have anywhere, it has to be nine or more dispatchers at all time. We have nine positions that has to be filled at all time. So on a shift, there's nine dispatchers. We have nine different bands. And, so, and on average, a daily average, how many calls do you receive? Jeez, we can go anywhere from 500 to 1,000. There, it, It's hard wow. to say. It all depends on what, what a day is like. You're talking 24 hours. And, and the population, because, I mean, this isn't a small, you said it's regional, but you're, you live in a fairly small area in Ohio. You have to remember we're regional, so we dispatch for 17 different police departments, police, fire, and EMS. Okay. So, I mean, if you, if you know the size of Cleveland, Cleveland could never collaborate as a regional because they're too huge. They're our main city. And, uh, we would, I would say we, with all of our cities together, we're probably half of Cleveland with the 17 cities together. So what Cleveland is, what about five million? Cleveland is our main city and every, all the cities we dispatch for are suburbs of Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. But Cleveland has about what? 5 million population wise. Ooh, if not more, yes. Yeah. Well, it's not bigger than Atlanta. I know that. No, no, yeah, yeah. no, so, no. But no, Atlanta's no. got seven million. So okay. So I would I would give it about four or five. Yeah. Okay. And, and God, that's a lot of phone calls to get, and it's just rapid fire, right? It just doesn't stop. Sometimes it, it can be. We have our like last night was one of our slow days. Thank goodness. I know it's sad to say, but I was okay with the phones not ringing. It just gave us that brush off going into our off days that we needed. Like this is my weekend off, except I'm picking up a couple hours doing some stuff, mm. but there's nothing like having an easy night when you're going into your off day. What's the dumbest call you've ever gotten? Like, why did you waste my freaking time? What are you doing? So I wouldn't say it was dumb. We're, we won't use those words. Okay. I will. You don't have to. I will. A young, a young lady called and said, a deer was in her backyard staring at her. <laughs> so my fiance actually had to go out. I wasn't working when that happened. Somebody else took the call and he was like, babe, I got to go on a deer call. I said, okay, be careful. She called because the deer was in her backyard staring at her. So he went and when he got there, true enough, her and the deer were having a standoff. <laughs> so he literally told the deer, look, she don't want you here. You have to go away. <laughs> Swear to goodness. The deer walked. So he said the deer walked over to the next yard, turned around and looked at her as if to say, now what? I'm still looking at you. It was the craziest shit. That's <laughs> all right. You're fine. <laughs> that's, I'm, you're right. That's not the dumbest call. That's the best call you've ever gotten. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. Her and the deer understood they didn't like each other he respectfully got out of her yard but they still saw you know each other i see you you see me <laughs> was she outside with the stare down or was she in they were outside together oh. staring at one another now he had time to get the call go to the house and the deer was still in the backyard staring at her like what call the police i don't care <laughs> 
Well, you know, I mean, in defense of this woman, I don't know if she's an elderly woman or not, but, you know, if you're like head to head and it's a buck, that thing's pissed off. He can mess you up pretty damn good if he charges you. You don't know whether to stay there, run. You don't know what to do. So I get why she called, but it's just like, I know she thinks about it now and be like, I actually called because the deer was staring at me. <laughs> it's like, where's one, where's one of those rednecks when you need him with his, with his shotgun or his, his hunting rifle? Where, where? My fiance is a hunter too. So, Oh, is he? <laughs> we got, we got deer in the freezer now. I don't eat it, but he's a hunter. Uh, all right. That's great. You're fantastic. You're such a wonderful person. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, Charlene. I want everybody to watch Oxygen's True Crimes. 911 Crisis Center. I'm a fan now, so you got me oh. at least. And, uh, and, and you know, maybe get you back on for the third season, or if I find something that I, I got questions, I'll get you back on on this season. So Absolutely, Jason. It's a pleasure being on your show. I wish you the best and Thank prosperity you. on your show. And absolutely, I come back and talk to you in a heartbeat. And send me your address because I want to send you a wedding gift. Oh, thank you. We'll do. I'll email it to you. All right. You're a sweetheart. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Jason. Take care. Take care. Bye.